0: Love Talk Radio.
1: icon granny Hawker and big swing
2: so we don't usually get right
1: into it here on this show we usually I have a little bit of a an introduction and hey how is everybody and I talked to granny and and how she doing and how was her weekend and I know she's getting snow down there in Arkansas and uh, we got uh icon up there in the in the great white north of North Dakota um, and everything, but uh we do have the 407 number on automatically with us. They jumped on just before the intro music started icon. So, um, since yeah, I don't yeah, really he have
2: knows a voice. Oh, he go does. Go okay. I was, was going to say,
1: cause, because I don't yeah. have much of a voice today, this is most, you know, you're going to run this until I get some water or something. So I just want to let you know that <laughs> there we go. Hear that? I want to let you know that they were on uh in case you wanted to jump into them. But, uh Well, go ahead, run through, let us know how your weekend was and who we got coming
2: on, and then uh, go to the guests. All right. Well, uh, we we actually got an interesting show uh, tonight. Um, uh, Unfortunately, one of our guests had to, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, I had them booked a month ago. Uh, They were supposed to be here. But uh, they canceled uh, two days ago, so they were not, they're not able to join us, but we're going to get them rescheduled. Uh, tonight, we're going to have the Masked Saint on. Um, uh, he uh, started a great movie with Rowdy Roddy Piper. And uh, a couple, uh, you know, as you guys know, we had Roddy Piper's son on with us. And we had a, um, one of his co-stars on with us, uh, who, if you guys remember, played Harold in the Red Green show. So uh, Chris is going to be on with us, and uh, making uh, her awaited return uh, is uh, is going to be, uh, well, actually not awaited return, her first appearance uh, in her persona, uh, we are going to have uh, Femme Fatal with us. Uh, she's going to be calling us all the way from the UK, so uh, that'll be fun. And uh, there is one thing I do want to uh talk a little bit about here guys before we um before we go through this. Um you know last week remember we had on uh the guys from BEW correct remember that. Yeah. Okay. Uh what here uh I got a uh text message, well not a text message, I got a uh message on on Facebook Messenger. Uh, from a guy who uh, was complaining about uh, the fact that uh, we did not have him on with us uh, and we had the other three guys on. And I explained to him that, uh, one, uh, you know, I tried to book this guy months ago and he never, uh, he never responded to uh, my invite. And, uh, you know, he's belittling me on Messenger saying, you know, you should have had me on this and that, blah, 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 you know, this and that BS, whatever. But I said, hey, man, if you got the guts, why don't you call into the show and why don't you talk to me on the air instead of, you know, if you really got something to say, you can say it in front of everybody and uh not just hide behind your computer is what I told him. And... Uh, Apparently the guy's name is the Terminator and uh you know if he's got the guts to ever call into the show uh it's it's free form. Uh and uh if he does call in at some point, whether this week or next week or whatever, uh I told him uh if uh you know, if there's time, uh we will put him on and uh uh he he can discuss the issues that he has. Other than that, don't uh don't uh, send me messages on Facebook Messenger and be a jerk about it because you had the opportunity to be on, and I'm not the one to set up the guys that are going to be on either. Uh, you can talk to the president of the company. Don't talk to me about it, and that's that's where it's at. So I just want to give everybody an update on that. And, Granny, apparently this guy is like a major-ass major, uh, major ass heel, so uh, I told him that he had to deal with you as well.
3: Ha, 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 the be fun.
2: And uh, uh, Chris, you're a big uh, or a big swing. You're a big uh, Cowboys fan, right?
1: Yes, yes, big Cowboys fan. Like, like, like. You, you, big was, of a Cowboys making,
2: fan. Well, he was making fun of you also because you're a Cowboys fan because he's a Giants fan.
1: Y- you know, I I've been dealing with it for 26 years. I'm I'm used to it by now. Okay.
2: Well, good. well I I, I just I just roll with the
1: punches ball. at this point. <laughs>
2: Well you can back me up when the guy calls in too because he is making fun of you for being a Cowboys fan. He was making fun of Granny because she doesn't know uh she wouldn't really know what to do with a heel if uh, one confronted her. <laughs> I said, buddy <laughs> I He said, doesn't buddy,
3: know me very well, does he, Icon? No. No, he doesn't. And uh he I said, hasn't seen wanna, Granny in
2: action. But I said if you wanna if you wanna if you wanna mess with me uh, you know, you can pick your fight somewhere else. But uh, we'll we'll, continue, we'll talk about that a little later. But I think uh, I'm going to go ahead and if you want to put our guests on, I'll go ahead and introduce them, and then we'll uh, we'll have some fun with our, our guest here. All right, is he on? Uh,
3: I don't know. Is he? What,
2: what are we looking
1: for? I was waiting for you to put the We're guest waiting on. for
3: our guest.
1: Oh, yeah. He's right here. Boom, boom.
2: Okay. Ladies hey. and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, the masked saint himself, we are going to praise the man as he walks down the aisle and steps through the ropes. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Chris Whaley.
0: Hey, this is
4: Chris Whaley, the Mass Saint. You're listening to the Attitude Era Live with the host, the Icon, the Big Swing, and Granny Hulkster. What's happening, guys?
2: Hey, hey Chris, how, how, are how are you, ya? buddy?
4: Hey, good. Hey, I gotta
2: tell you a story right off the bat. When, uh, well, wait, when well, I went wait. to before, before you do that, before you do that, though, yeah. real quick here. Uh, I know that we uh, said that we were going to have you on for uh, 30 minutes, uh, and I hope you'd be able to stick around a little longer than that because I don't have a second guest because you canceled, and we have a lot of questions for you, so you'd be able to stick around a little longer than 30. Okay, go ahead with your story. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, okay, when
4: I uh, uh, my last three years in wrestling, I was going to seminary at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, and So when I uh, started working in Texas, uh, my first couple of matches, I was actually a heel, which was strange. But I wanted to make sure they remembered me. And this was 1985. And uh, up until that point, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, they were kicking butt and taking names. I mean, they were just great. Tom Landry was the coach, and they were in the playoffs every year, and so this was during the time when uh, Tom was going down and the Cowboys were starting to stink a little bit. So when I got in the ring, I I grabbed the microphone, and I wanted to endear myself, so I said, uh, would the lady with the 11 snot-nosed kids who dropped them off at Texas Stadium, please go pick them up because they're beating the Cowboys 14 to nothing? And they started throwing ice, and they started throwing all kinds of stuff into the ring. And if I didn't have the police to help me, I don't think I'd have made it out of the ring. So they—they they were, uh, uh, were—they were—they were not too happy then with you, my my little. And comment. then you know,
2: you know what happened at uh, halftime of that game, don't you? Uh, what what happened? Uh, this happened. You did one hell of a job. And the only thing else I got to say is.
0: How about
2: them, Cowboys? Yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's pretty funny. laughs> I don't care who you are. That's funny. Yeah, I know. That's, that's, that's awesome. And, of course, you know the Dallas Cowboys owe the Minnesota Vikings for all the stuff that they got, really, when you think about it, because of the shittiest oh, yeah. trade ever made with Herschel Walker. Oh, yeah. And the reason why I know that, the reason why I know that is because I'm a Vikings fan, so I, you know, I, I'm well aware of that. But anyway, um, so uh, here's what we do, uh, uh, Chris. Uh, first thing we're, we're going to, since we got a lot of time here with you, we're going to take this uh, interview in steps. Uh, first off, uh, if you want to let us know uh, how long uh, you were in wrestling, and uh, we'll, we'll cover that, and then uh, we're going to spend a great deal of time. Talking about your book and your movie, and we're going to go step by step on that as well. So, tell us a little background about your wrestling career first. Um, I I got into
4: wrestling in uh, uh, 1978. Uh, actually, I was I was in great shape. I was in the best shape of my life, and and my uh, wife was a high school math teacher and. Uh, I was working, and I was looking uh, also to be called to a church, and that wasn't going very well, and I uh, looked in the Tampa Tribune, and there was an ad in the Tampa Tribune for it just said, wanted professional wrestlers, and uh, I showed that to my wife, and she wasn't too thrilled about it, but anyway, I uh, put a bag together, and I drove over to Tampa, and I walked in and there was uh, the great Malenko. Uh, the great Malenko. When I was, I mean, when I was growing up and uh, I was a kid, uh, great Malenko was the baddest heel there was. I mean, he was really bad. But uh, you know, he's the father of Dean Malenko, who worked for WWE as the uh, Man of a Thousand holes, and he also his brother uh, Jody. I thought Jody was better than Dean, and uh, so I got. Uh, I was trained by the great Malenko He's trained a lot of great guys And that was the beginning Of it And uh, I worked for 10 years I worked in Florida And then uh, I, my last three years uh, I was uh, Working in Texas I Got to work with WCCW They also had uh, Wild West Wrestling Out there uh, Ken Mantel. Uh, was running that, and they were doing their tapings at Billy Bob's there. And so I got to work for uh, Ken Mantel and for uh, Fritz. And it was a great experience. And, and, you know, when I got out of wrestling, it was 1988. Uh, I was uh, 34 years old, and I was right at the height of, of my career. I mean, that, that's when things were really starting to, to go well and then that's whenever I got out and
2: became a pastor now when you were uh, in WCCW were they, were you there when Jim Hellwig was there uh,
4: no um, when I when when I was there uh, you know, I, I can tell you all the guys that were there but I just I don't remember him but you
2: got to work with Von Erich though right Yeah. Yep.
4: Yep. Uh, yeah. You know, right after I, right before I got there, David passed away in, uh, you know, Japan. And then right before I uh, got to start working for them, uh, Michael, uh, died. And so it was just basically, uh, you know, Kevin and, uh, Carrie, uh, but, uh, It was uh, it was some great times, man. I tell you, you know that was that was some of the greatest. I think some of the greatest talent that they had was there in WCCW, because uh, when you know when Vince took it national, he sure took a lot of those guys. Because you know, Ravishing Rick Rude was there, uh, the Undertaker was there, uh, of course the the Freebirds, uh, the Ultimate Warrior, you know a lot of those guys that were the talent there. You know, Vince Vince took them, and so uh, you just really couldn't beat with you know some of the some of the folks that you got to work against. It was pretty awesome.
2: So, so you did get to work with the Warrior a little bit, then.
4: Yeah, I worked with the Warrior. It was, uh, it's <laughs> you know not one of my great memories, but. Uh, it was it was definitely an experience. I can tell you that. Well, you
2: know, I'll admit, you know, I mean, you know, over the years, you know, the warrior, you know, Jim Helwig, the warrior, you know, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of stuff, you know, said about him over the years, and you know, this is your time. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I will say this about, you know, when I was a kid, my favorites were, you know. The Ultimate Warrior, uh the Texas Tornado, carry, Von Eric, uh, you know, um, you know, Hulk Hogan, you know, Jake the Snake Roberts and of course yes. my ultimate favorite, and we're gonna talk about him in a little while, Roddy Roddy Piper. And um, yeah. when he passed, uh, you know, I mean I, I was devastated when we lost other wrestlers, but when we lost Roddy, that you know, that really took took it out of me, you know. So I uh yeah. I really, I really miss Roddy. We're going to talk a lot about him in a little while. Uh, yeah. But uh, so uh, when you were working with Fritz and the Von Erics, uh, you know, and I don't want to get too much in the weeds on that either. If you want to talk about, it, but you know, that's one of the that's one of the the big wrestling family tragedies uh, in the business. Yeah. Would you say? Yeah. And you, yeah. you guys work with all of them, right?
5: Uh,
4: not with, not with all of them because, you know, of course, uh, uh, David had already passed away whenever I got there, but yeah, what a, what a tragedy, you know, one kid died when he was, uh, a kid and, uh, what was it, lightning and then, uh, David passed away and then, uh, Michael and then, uh, after, you know, way after I left, uh, Carrie so you know the only uh, and then Chris took his life. So the only one left is uh, is Kevin. But it it was just you know you don't
2: see that much tragedy in a family, right? And uh, uh, Carrie Carrie Boneric's daughter is still wrestling too. Uh, you know she's she's carrying on the Boneric name as as we as Whoa, we'll
4: I do. didn't it, yep. I didn't I didn't know that. But uh, who who's she working for?
2: Uh, well, let's see. Uh, I've, uh, I've been trying to get her as a guest on our show, but I can't, um, I can't, uh, I can't ever seem to, uh, down because, uh, you know, she's always busy. And, uh, uh, let's see. Uh, one second here. Uh, I will get that in a second, Because right, I ha- I have on my notes here all the stuff that I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, Lacey Von Eric, uh, she is uh, she's with TNA Impact right now. Oh,
0: okay. Well, well,
4: I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you guys, I don't, you know, after I got out, I just uh, I don't watch it anymore. I last time I watched it, uh, I don't know if you remember Black Jack Mulligan, but. Uh, yep. Before uh, Blackjack died, I, I was visiting him in the hospital, and there were a couple of, you know, a couple of <laughs> pretty big boys in there. And Blackjack said, "These are my grandsons." You know, I guess uh, Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas. And he said they work for Vince. And I said, "Really?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah." So, so I watched, uh, I watched just to see Blackjack's, uh, you know, grandkids on there. But I really don't watch it very much. I ran into uh, what's his name, uh, Braun.
0: What's his Braun name? Braun, Braun
4: Strowman. Yeah, I ran into him in a restaurant and uh, talked to him. And you know, I, I turned it on just to watch him. But I really just don't just don't watch it anymore because of uh, a lot of different reasons. But I just don't watch it anymore.
2: Well, you know, it's funny. We don't either. We, do. <laughs> that's why we've been, that's why we came up with the show so we can complain about how bad it is. But you know, that was, uh, that was fun for about two weeks. And I decided to get a guest and, uh, we, we branched out to what we are. Uh, but our fans know that, uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to, uh, we have, uh, we have the, the mass Saint on. We got about 55 minutes here before our next guest pops up. So, uh, what we're going to do here is, uh, like I said, we're going to do this in steps. We'll come back and talk about the book and the movie in a second, but uh, I'm going to bring Granny Hulkster in, and uh, Granny, uh, go ahead. You can ask uh, Chris some, uh, uh question about his wrestling career, then we're going to get into the book and the movie.
3: Well, hello. I am Granny Hulkster. I'm not a wrestler. I'm just a huge fan of the
2: sport.
3: Uh-huh. And I've always – i I've been a fan as long as I can remember. And I don't like the heels. I can talk some pretty good snacks uh-huh. to the heels when I have to. So <laughs> that being said, I know you said you were a heel at one time. What uh-huh. – or any time throughout your whole career, what has been your most challenging match that you've had in your career and who was it against? uh
4: the most uh challenging match was i would say a- against uh bruiser brody
0: um, oh. that wow well, that's was, awesome,
4: yeah, that was pretty challenging because uh when Bruiser kicked you in the head, he really kicked you in the head, so I think one of my last concussions that I got was from him. And, uh, you know, it's funny. It we was, had
2: his uh, we had his wife on with us. Yeah, yeah. And but she was, she is the salt he, of the earth. I'll tell you what,
4: she is just yeah. awesome. Yeah, uh, Brody can put the fear of God in you pretty quick. He really can. So it was a uh, it was it was one of those that I, I was very thankful I got out. Now you know uh, when I was when I was getting out. Uh, there were a lot of football players. This was like uh, 1987, 1988. There were a lot of football players that were extending their career by getting into wrestling. Um, I, I wrestled a linebacker for the Houston Oilers. Of course, now the Houston Oilers are the Texas. I mean, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I remember his name was Birdsong, but uh, he he was really he he was probably one of the best of the football players. But I also worked against a guy named Dewey Forte, and he was a nose tackle for the San Diego Chargers. And uh, I I actually thought I was going to die that night because he he was pretty green, he really didn't know what he was doing and. You know, he's over three hundred pounds and he tossed me around like a rag doll and I you know, I always had a fear of breaking my neck. And uh that was that was also a pretty uh difficult match. But uh I yeah, I have to say those two. Uh Bruiser Brody uh, and uh, Dewey Forte. That's
3: awesome.
2: Now, uh, you know, uh you know, we all know the uh, the tragedy that happened with uh, Bruce and Brody, but you know, you you know, you got to work with him. Uh, was he uh, as rough and tumble as uh, they say he was, uh, or was that all just uh, people just trying to get themselves over? No, it's
4: absolutely true. He was he was one of the roughest dudes in the business, man. I mean, uh, you know, you. You better have your crap packed in little balls when you got in the ring with Bruiser Brody because he he was he was one of the baddest of the bad. And he had to uh, he Chris had wait.
2: Sorry, uh Chris Wilder is our guest here. We got fifty two uh, minutes here. Uh so continue with uh, your story <inaudible> Say again? Go go ahead and continue your story about Bruiser Brody. No, he was just uh
4: you know, he was huge he was solid as a rock and he he never stopped and it was just it was just uh you know you're you're very thankful when it's over
2: <laughs> you know and uh you know uh you know working with uh, you know with Fritz von Erich and you know WCCW, uh did you uh uh did you uh uh did Did you go on uh uh to the w w e or
1: no did no you, or did you no no
2: no I, I uh
4: you know i graduated from seminary in may of uh nineteen eighty eight and went straight to my first church so you know i i got out of the business at the height of my career uh i mean i could have you know gone for a while and and i was starting to get some good breaks at that time too so but, you know, God called me to be a pastor, and that's what I've, you know, done for over 30 years. But uh, uh, I, I don't have any regrets, but I, I sure would love to have continued on.
2: I sure would have. That's that's awesome. And, uh, you know, um with uh with uh you know with uh, your with all the stuff that you did in your career uh yeah. you know and I'll understand if you don't want to answer this, but is there anybody that you wanted to wrestle that you never got the opportunity to wrestle
4: oh yeah, yeah, there were several uh the one guy that I wanted to work against that I never got an opportunity to work against was Rick flair Rick flair was one of the you know i mean he hands down i think he's the best the best guy uh the best guy that ever worked, uh, Rick Blair. And I was really, you know, I was really sad I didn't get to work against him. Um, You know, some of the, some of the best guys to work against at WCCW was the Freebirds. Uh, You know, Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy, and uh, Buddy Jack Roberts. And, i think I think one of the best matches I ever had was against buddy jack roberts he was he was great he he made everybody look good when you're in a ring with him so
0: um, uh, Ice
4: iceman, iceman king parsons was was great also uh, he was a great guy to work with and uh, there was a guy that was uh pretty much running the gym for Ken Mantel. And then working for Fritz, and uh, that was Tom Jones. He was one of the first black wrestlers. Uh, Tom Jones was one of my best friends, and he he was just a super, super, super guy to work with.
2: So with uh, with working with uh, Michael P.S. Hayes, did you ever get a
4: dude,
2: dude, dude? Say again. Did I get a what? Did 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 you ever hear him say dude, dude, dude? uh several times yeah uh see now see here's the deal i mean uh granny Grant, would know this genre uh you know big swing he's a little younger he's uh, doing double duty he'll probably swing in here in a little bit but uh that's why we call him the big swing he likes to swing in big uh so we we'll, uh, we're going to come of uh we'll come back uh to uh to wrestling here in a little bit but uh i want to get to um uh, get to talk to you about the reason why we're here. We have uh, Chris Wiley here with us. We got about forty-eight minutes, uh, and uh, the reason why uh, we got so much time is because this is a big subject. I want to talk all aspects of it. Then uh, Granny can uh, chime in as we to fill in. Uh, you have uh, you start. You have a book out, and what is the name of the book? Uh, the Masked Saint, and. Uh, how? Uh, what, what inspired you to start writing it? Yeah. Okay. Let
4: me uh, let me say something. And I I apologize for this, but I'm uh, pretty much deaf in my left ear, and uh, sometimes I'm getting feedback with stuff. And if I, you know, I'm probably missing some of your questions and probably giving you some crazy answers. I don't mean to do that, but. I just got a hearing right. problem, so I just need you guys to speak a little clear for me. Uh, but what what inspired me to write the book? Is that what you asked? That yeah, that's the first question. Yep. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, you know, I went from I went right from professional wrestling to becoming a pastor of a, a Southern Baptist church in Florida, and you know that. That's that's quite a transition You know you're going from Professional wrestling to being a pastor And then uh, I started having several Things happen uh, That I handled More like A professional wrestler than I handled like A pastor and I just Kept having these things happen And uh, They just went on and on and on And, and then finally one day I you know I started thinking about it and I said man this could make a good book you know some of the things that I've done uh, and so I I I really I tried to get somebody else to write it I tried to get a ghostwriter because I didn't see myself as a writer and I I worked on that and worked on that and everything fell through and then finally it was one Saturday I was just sitting at my computer and I started writing and you know, I wrote out one of the one of the chapters of the Mass Saint and I showed it to my wife and I said, What do you think? And she read it and she said, Hey, I love it. Keep going. And so I just you know, I just kept going. And one of the reasons why the book was so easy to write is because each chapter is based upon something that, you know, really happened in my life. So each the you know, each chapter is is true, you know, with with I took some liberties, but Basically, each chapter's true, and uh, that, you know, that's what happened. It started, actually started with, uh, I had this uh, young lady that would come into church. She was uh, always the last one to walk in the door, and she was usually the first one to leave. And she dropped her kids off at first uh, with our children's program, and then she would come in. And, you know, I never got to talk to her or anything. And then then one, one Sunday she showed up and she had sunglasses on in the church, which is a little bit unusual. You don't see people wearing sunglasses in church. After the service was over, I always stood at the front and shook hands with people. And uh, on this particular day, she wasn't the first one out. She was the last one out. And she came up to me and took my hand with both of her hands And her head went down and you could see tears going down her cheeks. And so I just, you know, looked over and I I put my hands on each side of her face and lifted her up. And I, I picked those glasses up and she had two black eyes and it just, it just infuriated me. And I, I said, you know, who did this to you? I said, your husband did this to you? And yeah. And uh, I said, well, I'm going to go talk to him. And she got. Got upset and said no don't do that He'll hurt you and I said I'm not really worried About that and uh, So anyway I just I went to see the dude Just to say uh, "Yeah, Anybody that would hit a woman Is a dirt bag first of all And uh, I just You know I, I called him out And just said I can't believe that You know you would hit the mother of your Children and uh, I came here to see how you Do against somebody who could fight back and And so that's how that's how the book started, you know? I mean, that's how the, the idea for the Mass Sank started because I just I kept having episodes like that that I handled, you know, uh, as a wrestler rather than as a pastor.
0: And uh, how long did it take you
4: to write the book? You know, I, I think it, it it took, you know, about a year and a half of just you know, writing on Saturdays whenever I was at home. And, uh, I finally, you know, I finally got it all together and, and, you know, I didn't know anything about publishing books and I actually, uh, self-published it, uh, at first, you know, I, I I published it myself. I, I tried and tried to get other publishers to talk to me and nobody would talk to you. And, uh, so I, I self-published it and, um, Next thing I know, I get a call from a producer in Orlando. He uh, he actually he was the producer. You, did you ever watch the uh, the first three Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies?
2: Yes, as a matter of fact, I am a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Mark as well.
4: Yeah, well
2: he was the he was the executive
4: producer of the first three blockbusters. His name was Tim Dawson, and Tim uh, Dawson uh, asked me to meet him at his office in downtown Orlando, and I I met him, and uh, he was very interested uh, in my book. He had just finished a faith based movie called Letters to God. Uh, now this is a guy that did uh, Teenage Mutant, Tur- uh, Mutant Ninja Turtle. But he also did a movie with Jim Caviezel called uh, The Bobby Jones Story, Stroke of Genius. Uh, He did that one, and then he did a face-based movie. So he kept me on the the hook for about a year, you know, talking to me. They got a script written and everything. And then all of a sudden, he just one day, he said, no, no, thank you. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm quitting on this. But I had also met a lot of other people in the business over that year, and I had a producer from uh, Canada uh, flew down and met me at Disney World. And he was very interested in uh, making the book into a movie. And then um, uh, he backed out. And, uh, you know, I talked to other people. And I got so stinking frustrated, I was just ready to put it on a shelf and forget it. And then uh, in February of 2013, Uh, this producer called me and he asked me, he said, anybody done anything with your book? And I said, uh, no. And I, and I even rolled my eyes when he said that. And he said, uh, well, we're very interested in it. I'll get back to you. And I said, yeah, thanks. And, and, um, and then two weeks later he called me, he said, are you sitting down? And I said, matter of fact, I am, I'm driving. And he said, well, don't wreck. Uh, we're going to make your book into a movie. And I was just, I was dumbfounded. Um, and then uh the book got actually got re-released by a great company in New York uh called Morgan James Publishing. They uh they re-released the book and put a different cover on it and uh made it look a lot better. And so, the way it all came
2: about. Uh Chris is our guest here. We got about uh, 39 minutes. Uh you know, um one thing uh, I, I want to kind of circle back around and talk about uh, real quick, and then uh, we'll continue with this. Um, you, uh, for those of those of you who don't know, you mentioned uh, about Jim Caviezel. For those of you guys who don't know who he is, he played the head coach in the movie When the Game Stands Tall. Uh, for those of you right. guys who might not know who who it is by name, but that's one of his roles. I cannot remember the TV show he was in either. Um my parents used to watch it all the time. They always told me to watch it. I never got into it. But uh that's who James well, his, Diesel is.
4: Yeah. His big role his big role he played uh he played Jesus in the Passion of the Christ, uh, Mel Gibson. Uh you know, the biggest blockbuster of all time, the Passion of the Christ. And he played Jesus in that too.
2: And uh so um you uh you yourself uh you self published the book and uh you know you uh they you had people saying well you know uh, we're going to make a movie this and that blah, blah 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 and then uh you know i mean like you said you had to have gotten uh you had to have gotten frustrated um uh at that time and um uh you know as you know as you're getting frustrated you know and it um you know it, it's it goes with the territory, but, um, what, um, you know, when you're, when you're driving, you get the call, uh, are you like, uh, were you like, Oh man, this has got, this is, is this a prank? Are you pranking me? Or, uh, you know, um, what what was your thought when you finally got the call and after the phone call was over, what what were you thinking?
4: Yeah. Well, you know, when he, he called me, asked me, I'm sitting down, I said, no, I'm driving, yes I am, I'm driving, and when he told me, I, I pulled over to the side of the road, I was just, I was flabbergasted, and you know, then he starts uh, telling me, he said, hey, we're going to, uh, we're starting to work on a script, uh, we get the script done, we're going to start shooting in July, uh, they're going shoot to the, shoot the movie in Sault Ste. Marie, Canada, and you know he's telling me all of this stuff, and he's saying, you know, the uh, the casting director will start working on that soon. And he's, I, I'm I'm just I'm sitting there in the car with my mouth
0: open at
4: all of it. And uh, uh, I, I think for about uh, I don't know six or eight months, uh, every day was like. Uh, you know, like I was in a fog when I would hear, you know, people that were involved in this, and um, and the people that, you know, they were getting to play the different parts. When I found out Roddy Roddy Piper was playing the uh, promoter in the movie, I just I was just uh, dumbfounded. And uh, so yeah, I was I, I was I was pretty whipped uh, through the whole thing. You know, when you when you find out that they're going to make your book into a movie, that's it's, it's just an unbelievable experience
2: so now did they did they tell you that uh that you were going to be playing playing your uh your character in the movie or is that something that you had to request or say like well you know you have to uh you know you had to put me in the movie or uh, i won't dream light it or uh how did that come about or were you always were they always wanting you in it
4: no they you know they told me they were going to uh you know, give me a cameo in the movie, which I I didn't care whether they did that or not. I mean, when your your book's being made into a movie, who gives a flip if you're in it or not? I, I really didn't care. But no, they you you know uh, we when we flew to uh, uh, Canada uh, for the beginning, they, they they filmed the movie in in uh, November, not in July, because they kept having trouble with the script and. Um, So they finally got the script done in October and they started filming in uh, November. And when, when I got there, my wife was with me and actually my youngest daughter and her husband also flew out to, uh, uh, St. Marie with us. And, uh, they put all of them and they gave every one of them a cameo, which was, you know, pretty awesome. Uh, but the, uh, have you, have you ever? Let me ask you, Icon. Have you ever been on the set of a movie being shot?
2: Uh, I myself have not, but yeah. uh, I do have the feeling, though, that the opportunity for myself is coming because uh, uh, I'll admit, and I'll we'll get back to your question in a second. Shameless plug for myself. I've had we've had a lot of actors, a lot of directors. I mean. I, I volunteer to uh, shine shoes and carry bags and get donuts and coffee and all that stuff just to just to be in a movie, you know. And uh, I'm still working on that. And uh, if you ever decide to make another movie, make sure you call me. But uh, uh, back to back to back to your question: What was it like when you got to the set and all that? Yeah, you,
4: you know, we uh we flew into a, a little town on this side of Saint Ste. Saint Marie and you know, you, uh we got off the airplane and when we walked uh you know, through that little tunnel thing until you get there uh in the terminal and there was you know, somebody standing with a sign and it had the uh the logo for the movie. And I'm looking at that and I just I, I just I had to just stop there for a minute and say, "Is this real or not?" And then, you know, I walk up and I said, uh, "Hey, I'm I'm Chris Whaley. Are you here for me?" And oh, they they just treat you like you know uh, uh, treat you like a star, <clears throat> which I I wasn't. But uh, yeah, they they pick you up. They take you to the hotel, and you know, she says, uh, "I'll be here to pick you up at 6:30 tomorrow morning to take you to the set." Uh, they start filming pretty early, and uh, it's just, it just one of the most unbelievable experiences. I'd never been on the set of a movie, and when you know we were driving down the road, you see all these semis, and you see people all over the place, and they got the lights there in front of a house to start doing the first scene. It, it was just the most unbelievable thing that I've ever experienced. Uh, I mean I was completely dumbfounded and,
2: and uh, we're we're gonna go over all uh we're gonna go over all parts of the movie here uh we're we're just gonna we're just gonna go step by step and then granny, if you have a question, go ahead chime in um but um the first thing i gotta ask is and then i i'm gonna ask you about a few different stars and then um uh, uh I hope you don't mind, but I would like to spend uh a great uh Uh, Not a great amount, but uh, a huge amount of time talking about Roddy Piper because he was my all-time favorite. But first off, I got to ask you, what was it like working with uh, Harold Green, Patrick McKenna?
4: Patrick McKenna, yeah, he was
2: great. You know, I got the, I got to eat breakfast
4: with him every morning um, while while (laughs) we were there. But he, you know, just a great sense of humor, and he was, uh, he he was. Uh, he was kind of uh blown away too because he was a big Rowdy Roddy Piper fan and to be on the scene with Roddy Roddy Piper was uh, actually uh, was his uh on his bucket list. And uh, but he was just a great, great guy, you know, and I of course I had never heard of the Red Green show and somebody told me about it and how they, you know, ran for like fifteen years there in Canada. So I started uh YouTubing it and looking at it and he was just a great guy. I mean, to talk to and and
2: a great actor. Uh,
4: you know, I I can't say enough about the guy. He was he was he was top.
2: Well, you know, and the thing is, you know, he was a uh, he was a guest on our show about a year and a half ago now. And yeah. uh you know, he was he was one of my heroes because I always uh, used to watch the Red Green show when I was uh, you know, uh, on Prairie Public Television you know, on Saturday nights because there was nothing else yeah. going on in North Dakota, you know. Right. But um, so uh, that that was kind of cool being able to hang out with him. Now uh, yeah. you also got to uh, hang out with uh, Scott Nickel, <laughs> didn't you?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: But let me ask
4: you: did did you did you talk to Patrick about uh, the Mass Saint? Did he? What did he say about working on the Mass Saint?
2: Well, um, well, the thing is, uh, I'll, I'll admit, uh, I, I spoke, I, I talked a lot about uh, being on the Red Green Show because uh, uh, his character was a lot like the way I was growing up. But uh, yeah. he mentioned, you know, we did talk to him about working with Roddy Piper and the Mass Saints. You know, that's, uh, that's where his connection yeah. with the wrestling business was with us. Yeah. But uh, he, uh, he said he enjoyed every minute of it. You know, being able to uh, work with his hero, you know. And, uh, you know, I was joking with him. I said, you know, well, why didn't you call me to be on the show? He said, well, I didn't know you then. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) I guess that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know who the uh,
4: uh, first – you know the first Miss Edna uh, who they were trying to get? They were were trying to get uh, the lady who played Uhura on Star Trek. Uh, Right. But that fell through, and which was great because they ended up getting, you know, Diane Carroll, and Diane Carroll is a, you know, Academy Award nominated actress. So, but I thought it was kind of cool that they were trying to get Ahura, and because uh, I was a big Star Trek fan too, so uh, it was a win-win for me.
2: Uh, Chris Wiley is our guest here. We got about uh, we got about 28 minutes here. Uh, so, you know, like I say There was a lot of uh, different stars in there You also got to uh, uh, Work with uh, Michael Jenkins uh, Michael Shannon Jenkins huh? uh, What was he like?
4: Oh, Mikel Shannon
2: Jenkins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have yeah, dealt with pronunciation, yeah Yeah,
4: that's okay Oh, yeah, what a great, great young man
2: uh,
4: He, You know, he's, he's had Unbelievable success A lot of those uh, folks have had unbelievable success after the mass scene. He he's one of them. Uh, I know he he did uh, kind of the boxing movie with uh, De Niro and Sylvester Stallone. Uh, he, you know he was in the he was in the ring with De Niro in that that movie. Uh, but he is just he was just a great young man. I got to talk to him a lot about being a father too because he uh, he, he he was curious because he had. You know, kids, and I had two girls, and so he was wanting to know a lot about fatherhood and all. But uh, just a great, great actor. He did a super, super job playing uh, Detective Harper in the movie. Really, really good
2: guy. So uh, basically he became the the world's greatest father because you gave him all the pointers.
4: I don't know about that, but, uh, but I, I think he's doing a good job. I really do. I think he's doing a great job uh you know my 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 favorite uh, on that set was uh diane carroll what a what a classy lady you know she passed away last year too but uh what a what a classy classy lady she was you know she was beautiful and uh she was seventy nine years old when she did that movie. And when you looked at her, I mean, she was just still gorgeous and real classy, and uh, you know, just a great, great actress. So uh, I and, felt uh, I felt like a, a blind dog in a meat house. Man, it was wonderful.
2: Well, you know, the interesting thing is uh, she was married to uh, one of my uh, favorite uh, African American actors of all time, Sidney Poitier. Yeah. Which yeah. Was which was interesting. You know, uh see we're kinda of getting we l we're kinda of getting a little in my wheelhouse now because it's like I you know, I know all these guys and it's kinda of cool. Uh we have uh Chris Wiley's our guest here. We've got about twenty five minutes. Uh we we're, we're gonna talk about uh the main uh the main uh well I know you are the main star, but we're gonna uh talk about the secondary star here in a second. But uh Grant, you got any other questions for Chris as we're talking here before we uh, go into the next part of the the movie interview?
3: No, I'm good. I'm just enjoying listening to this interview. I think it's totally awesome.
2: Awesome. So, uh, I don't know if Big Swing is uh, listening. If he's got a question, he's doing double duty tonight, so he might not be there. Okay. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's talk about it. Now, I want to know what it was like working with Roderick <clears> Toombs <throat> on the show.
4: Could you say that again?
2: What what it was like working with Roderick Toombs, A.K.A. Rowdy hey, oh, Piper? Hey, okay, oh, okay. Somebody
4: coughed about the time you were asking that. You know, I had not seen I had not seen Roddy Piper in uh, 25 years. I worked against him like 25 years, you know, before the movie was taped. And uh, so when we, you know, when we got together on the set. And, you know, talked about it and everything. Of course he, he was BSing me. He said, Oh yeah, I remember, I remember you yeah. and I was like, Yeah, you don't remember me but he was just uh you know I don't I don't think it was anybody in the business that did a better interview than, than Piper. Uh he was a great, great worker. I mean man, when when you worked with him, it was just like music. You know he he was great worker, uh, and then uh, if you look at uh, IMDb uh, and you look at all the movies and the stuff that he was in, it's just incredible. I think it was over a hundred. And uh, right,
2: and you know the interesting thing about Roddy is, and I'm sure you were aware of this, but you know you always want to work with Ric Flair. You know him and uh, uh, Rick Flair and Roddy Piper were the best of buddies. I'm sure you knew that. Oh yeah, oh yeah.
4: I know, I know. And, you know, it just dumbfounded me. Uh, of course, we were looking forward to the premiere, you know, and Roddy was going to be there and, you know, everybody else. And then at the end of July of 2014, you know, I get this call, I get this call from the producer and he said, well, I don't know if you've heard, he said, but uh, uh, Roddy Piper passed away last night. And Roddy and I were the exact same age. We were born the same year. We were, you know, the same age, and you know he looked ten times better than I did on the set. And I was just I was dumbfounded, you know, about that that he had passed away. Um, I you know I knew he did have some big health issues, but he looked he looked great on the set. Looked like a million bucks, and uh, I was just I was really just Uh, Crushed Whenever I found out You know he he was a great dad too And uh, if you look at If you look at any of his matches On uh, YouTube uh, notice that He always had his wedding ring on He never took his wedding ring off when he worked That was pretty cool too
2: And you know we had His son Colton on with us Um, Yeah And you know so yeah July 31st 2015 Uh, the saddest day of my life, uh, to that point when we lost Roddy Roddy Piper, uh, my favorite wrestler, my dad's favorite wrestler, uh, you know, big loss. And, uh, you know, when I found out that he had cancer, um, you know, and, uh, like I say, I, uh. This is your interview, so we're gonna we'll we'll continue. But I just want to say this: you know, one thing when I found out about Roddy Piper and he had that he got cancer, my thought was, cancer is met as match. There's no way that Roddy Piper is gonna lose to cancer. There's no way. And I know it went into remission a few times, but uh, and it still saddens me that we lost Roddy.
4: Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's
2: uh,
4: you know uh, for anybody listening, you know uh, we're we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Uh, I, no. I came home, I came home one night uh, on July the twenty third, two thousand twelve. Uh, I came home uh, about eight thirty at night, and I was just so uncomfortable, and told my wife that. Uh, I I thought I had indigestion. I was starting to eat Tums like candy. And uh, she ended up taking me to the fire department. I'm the chaplain for the fire department. They put me on a machine and found out I was having a heart attack. Uh, So, you know, those guys saved my life that night. I ended up with three stents in my heart. And as soon as I get over that, I found out I had prostate cancer and uh, went through 45 radiation treatments. And so, you know, each day each day is a holiday for me, and for anybody who's been through that. So, anybody listening, don't don't
2: think that every day is is,
4: is an assurance, you know, because you never know when your number is going to be called. Never know.
2: You know, and uh, you know, you mentioned uh, that. Uh, you know, uh, I myself, I had two heart attacks. Um, you know, most people don't live to talk about one. I've been lucky enough to live talk about two. Uh, you know, like I said, I don't want to make this about me, but I'll, I'll let you know my experience. Uh, after my second one is when they realized that there was something wrong. You know, at the time I weighed four hundred and twenty pounds, and uh, they they took my stomach out of me because uh, I had a rare stomach deficiency, and uh, I've dropped down two hundred pounds now. <clears throat> Uh, and I'm in, you know, I added, you know, I hope added 20 more years to my life, but um, yeah, um, you know, you're, you're awesome. And, uh, you know, we have 19 minutes here. We got Chris, why we got 19 minutes and, uh, you know, like I said, I don't want to make this about me, but, you know, I just want to let you know that I started reading your book. Uh, you send us some autographs and I'm going to, I'm going to announce this right now. Uh, from the end of the show To the beginning of next week You go to our Off the Rose page on Facebook I'm going to select a uh, Select somebody to win an autographed picture Of Chris here The Mass Saint And uh, so uh, The contest will start at the beginning of uh, uh, Will begin At the end of the show To the beginning of next week's show So you have uh, And I'll select a couple winners on that um, You know speaking of uh, You know Cool items, and uh, I know it sounds like I'm putting myself over. You know, that's a good wrestling term, putting yourself over. But uh, I was going to ask you what you thought of the card I made for you. Uh, oh,
4: that you posted on Facebook? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's awesome, man. You know, uh, I'm I'm an old fart, and uh, I'm not very tech savvy. And so anybody that can do that kind of stuff is good for me. So,
2: um, I, yeah, I thought I thought it was great. How old are you, Icon? Well, <laughs> I, I shouldn't say this, but my life started when your wrestling career started. Seventy-eight. So you were born in seventy-eight. Yep.
4: Yeah, I have I have underwear older than you, man. <laughs>
3: I was born yeah. in '62. I'm only 58. Yeah. Well. But I'm lucky. I'm lucky to be here too, because you all were sharing your stories. In 2004, I lost my daddy. He had a congestive heart failure, and a month after my dad died, I ended up in the hospital with two blood clots in my right leg. They only thought I had one. But while I was in the hospital, one of the clots broke loose and went to my lung. And the doctor told me if I hadn't been in the hospital, I would have died. So God was not ready to take Granny Holkster off this earth yet. Of course, that was before, way before I ever became Granny Holkster, But you know what I mean?
4: yeah, yeah, oh, great. Well, I tell you, you, you know. And- it was a- the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life, uh, you know, it wasn't a movie. It wasn't, it wasn't wrestling being in the ring with some of the greatest guys in the world. Uh, you know, the greatest thing that ever happened to me was the day that I met the Lord Jesus Christ and he changed my life and he made me into,
0: uh,
4: made me into a new vessel. And that's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And it's only because of, of, uh, of him that I think I've had the opportunities that I've had And uh, the opportunities That I've had have given me The opportunity to talk About what you know what he did In my life and so I had To get that in before you You, you know before you cut me off I know we got some more minutes but I had to get that in
2: Well you know And uh, not to make light of it but you know You mentioned you know your number one was Finding God which is awesome And then number two being in the movie, or number two, marrying your wife, three your kids, four the movie, and uh, probably like number fifty for you is being on this show. <laughs> no, you're you're higher up the pole than that, man.
4: You're higher up.
2: That's awesome. And uh, now, so we can uh, so we can do this. Uh, we have uh, Chris Wiley's our guest here. We got about fourteen minutes before the mistress calls in, but. Uh, if our fans wanted to check you out and see what you're doing, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a GoFundMe, uh tell us all about that and where they can get the book and uh um, where they might be able to find the movie.
4: Yeah, um, if you if you want to read the book and I hope you do because uh I think the book is better than the movie myself. Uh, but the book you can get, the best place to get it is on Amazon. It's in some bookstores, but you can't get it cheaper than you can get it on Amazon. But if you just go to Amazon, you put in D-T-A-T, Mask, M-A-S-K-E-D, Saint, S-A-I-N-T, and it's going to come up. And uh, you can order it on uh, on Amazon the uh, movie, you can, you can, if you want the DVD, you can order that on Amazon. But if you have Tubi, uh, I'm not very tech tax, tax savvy, but somebody on Facebook, uh, uh, messaged me on Facebook and said that they, they watched the movie on Tubi. That's T U B I. You can get the app, it's free. But you can watch the movie for free on Tubi. Uh, if you want to, um, do some more reading I, I just uh, had a book That came out the 1st of December And it's a Christmas book You know I I, I love Christmas And I had this idea For a Christmas book It's called Harold's Heavenly Christmas And it came out December 1st uh, I've talked with the producer And most of those movies Are filmed in Canada So I've already talked to the producer uh, About uh, possibly making it Into one of those Hallmark movies uh, but you would you' love that too, and uh, if any parents out there that' got kids and it's hard for them to read, um, I actually wrote the mass saint with with those kids in mind because I've been so thrilled to hear people say hey i I read the book, I couldn't put it down when I started, and I had people say, "Hey, I haven't read the book, and I don't know how long, and I read yours and uh, it's just a easy read. And I think people would really enjoy it. Uh, if you want to contact me, contact me on Facebook under Chris Whaley, C-H-R-I-S, Chris, and then Whaley, W-H-A-L-E-Y. Uh, I'm, on, uh, I'm on Twitter. You can just uh, use my name and get me on Twitter. But uh, I, I always answer the people that uh, message me. And, you know, I'm so dumbfounded this is 2021 the movie came out in january of 2016 and i still get messages every week from people who either just read the book or just saw the movie and it just just blows me away that you know this long and it's still you know it's still getting some traction uh let me tell you this. I got a message from a policeman in in England. A guy's name is Danny. I'm not going to give you his last name, but Danny uh, messaged me. He's a policeman. He said he read my book and it changed his life. And I still get messages from him. Uh, I, you know, got a, a guy in Ireland that interviewed me. Uh, all kinds of people from Ireland have contacted me about the Mass Saint and And literally, all over the world, I can't tell you how many countries uh that I've gotten messages from, you know, either saw the movie, the mass saint, or read the book and and that just blows me away every time I get a message. so I love to hear from people, and I always answer them so thank you for giving me that opportunity to get that out there icon
2: that and you know and we we hope that uh, more people you know check the book and watch the movie but uh you know one thing that uh, i would like to do uh you know uh hopefully uh you'll be free september 23rd 2015 uh you can find a way to uh come on out to uh that's when the icons get married to the love of his wife and uh we're gonna get chris uh uh, we're gonna get the big swing out here to do the djing and we're gonna try and get granny hosher out here to uh babysit the uh, the the puppy dog that she loves so much and we we'd love to have you join us as well if you're free to do that. So you get married in September of this year? Yep, it was supposed to be last year, but covid kind of put a yeah. put a damper on that for uh for till this year, but yeah, September 23rd of this year is when our date is. Yep. And wh- where where is, is
4: that in uh, North Dakota?
2: Yep, yep. Uh, we figured we'd get it done uh, before the before the cold and snow and stuff. Yeah. So are you are you
4: asking me to do the ceremony?
2: Well, if uh, well, you know we don't really have uh, have anybody picked yet, but uh, I don't know what you charge for that. But uh, you know our our funding is uh, you know limited. But uh, yeah, if you let yeah. you come out, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Well. Hey,
4: let's let's see what we can do. Let's see if we can make it work. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I actually hate doing weddings. Uh, I I hate doing them, but uh, for people that I know and people that I love, you know, I, I don't mind at all. I, I, I married both my daughters, and uh, my oldest daughter has been married for 18 years. My youngest daughter has been married for 11 years. So I also like to make sure it stays together, you know, once they get married. So. Uh, you got to promise me you're going to stick with her to the rest of your life.
2: Well, uh, I plan on doing that. I, 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 I uh, I'm going to buy her, uh, her dream, uh, dream car. I'm going to get her a Mustang. So, uh, that would keep her with me, I would think. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I'll, uh, I'll send you all the details. Yep. And, uh, like I say, we want to get uh, granny Hawks out here because, uh, granny, you know, Homer's waiting for you, you know? Oh, I know. I know,
3: Homer. I I, I hope I can make it. I I would love to, because I would love to see my sweet little Homer. I love uh, dogs. I mean, so, I love cats, too. What is Homer? His his little dog.
2: Homer's my puppy dog.
4: Yeah, what kind of dog?
2: He's uh, half Dachshund, half Chihuahua.
4: Oh, okay. Well, we uh, He's, uh
2: they we always they call him a Chihuahueño. Ah, we had Dachshunds. They're the greatest dogs. Dachshunds are great. Well, I'll tell you what, you you'd love Homer too. i will let you spend some time with him too, you know.
4: Yeah, yeah. I had uh, so, uh, my last uh, Dachshund We had it for twenty
2: years. Oh, 20 years. that's that's awesome. You know, I was yeah. gonna ask you as a as a pastor. Uh, well you know like I say we usually don't uh, get into religion much in the show but I'm going to ask you this because you know you're an awesome pastor um what um what is your favorite uh bible passage uh
4: you know my my favorite bible passage because uh I, you know I've dealt with depression my whole life uh depression there's two there's two kinds of depression there's, uh, chemical chemical depression and there's also circumstantial depression but uh, there's a passage in matthew chapter uh chapter uh, chapter chapter 6 and verse 25 and following and it talks about worry and, and being anxious and uh, it, it ends with verse 34 it says don't don't worry about tomorrow, uh, you know, and that's what so many people do. They are always worried about tomorrow, and uh, so that's that's probably one of my favorite passages of scripture. And also uh, Jeremiah, the, the, my favorite passage is Jeremiah eighteen one through six, where he uh, he told Jeremiah to to uh, go to the potter's house and um, he was watching the potter work with clay, and uh, when he got through, the, the vessel that he made was, uh, it was flawed, and so the uh, the potter squished it back together, and he made it into a new vessel, and then uh, God said to Jeremiah, can I not do with you as the potter has done with the clay? As the clay is in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand. And that, that's my story, you know, when I got through with my life, it was, it was screwed up. And there was so much wrong with it. But God put me back on the wheel, squished me back together and he made me into a new vessel. So that's that's a great passage too.
2: That is awesome. And uh, you know, uh you know probably, you know, and I'll understand if uh you, you don't wanna if you have an issue with this or don't want to answer it, but you know, the whole uh you know, we all know uh in my light, the famous, uh, passage, of course, you know, John three sixteen. but did you have an issue when Stone Cold started doing the Austin three sixteen thing?
4: Uh, no, not really. Cause I didn't,
2: you know, um,
4: uh, I, I didn't watch Austin very much. One of my, uh, one of my best friends is, uh, Mark Merrow. And, um, Mark Miro, he worked as uh Marvelous Mark and Johnny B Bad. He was the Mary WWE. Disabled. Yeah, Mary to he was a WWE Intercontinental Champion. He was a WCW World Television Champion. And uh one of my favorite pictures of Mark is him standing over uh Steve Austin with an armbar on him. So, uh, he he pretty much ruled him, so that's okay with me if he wants to put three sixteen on there that that's fine i think uh you- it you know God can use anything to 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 make his work better and so even if he can use me he can use anybody so um i I don't know how that's worked, but I'm sure God's using it
2: did you have a lot of uh do you have a lot of contact with Mark Merrill
4: yeah Mark and I stay in Touch pretty much uh, uh, all the time. I mean, he just left here. He moved up to North Georgia to to be close to his brother, so he's living in the Atlanta area now, but we just keep up through text and phone calls and through uh, Facebook also.
2: Well, you know, I was gonna say if you uh, if you happen to next time you talk to him, you know, uh, we'd love to have him as a guest. You know, uh, maybe you could uh, let him know how cool of a guy I am, and uh, maybe you can uh, get us hooked up.
4: Well, you know, Mark, unbelievably busy guy. He started this uh, uh, ministry called Champion Champion of Choices. And uh, he goes into schools and talks to kids about kids about making the right choices in life. And uh, he has just uh, gone over the top with that. Matter of fact, some of his videos have gone completely viral on YouTube. He has one. Uh, he had one on there that got almost a billion hits. A billion with a B. And uh, that's odd. That's just, that's the story that he tells about his mom dying when, when he was wrestling in Japan. Uh, but yeah, I'll put a word in for you.
2: Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, we got about, uh, we got about uh, 60 seconds left here. Uh, we do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join us. You are very awesome. And, uh, you know, if we didn't uh, scare you away too much, we'd love to have you back on again because, uh, uh, I know that our fans would like to uh, ask you a few questions, interact with you as well. And I'll keep you posted close to the, the wedding day. Hopefully we can get you down here for that. That'd be awesome.
4: Okay. Hey, great uh, being on with uh, you, Icon, and Swing, and uh, Granny Holster. Appreciate
2: it, buddy. Thank you very much. All right. God bless you. Take care. Thanks, Chris. Chris Wiley, ladies and gentlemen, the Mass Saint. Ladies and gentlemen. So, Icon, author. I'm not sure where the next uh,
1: caller, not sure where the next call is coming in from. It is a one Skype. of them Skype numbers. One, yeah, Skype. One 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 number. Yep. Okay. They will be
2: calling from Skype. Yep. Yep. That's all right,
1: it. I'm gonna put them through. Then they are here.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, about to whip us all into shape and deal out the punishments. Ladies and gentlemen,
5: I give you Femme Patel. Hey, this is Mistress Femme Patel. You're listening to the Attitude Live with the host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Huckster. Hello. How are you? So, I'm uh, very well. Any... How are you? Good. Is there any
2: particular way that you like us to address you?
5: Yes. It has to be either mistress or goddess. You can choose either.
2: All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll refer to you as goddess. Uh, I know that I'll be taking uh, the brunt of the interview here. Um, uh, and I know that, uh, Granny Hawkshire, if you uh, wanted to deal out some punishment with the icon, I'm sure you can chime in and uh, mention what you want to have done. But anyway, uh, so uh, so you, uh, you're um, a professional mistress, obviously. Now uh do you uh, uh how long have you been doing this?
5: Well, being a mistress is something I've always been, it's always been inside me. I mean from a very young age I always felt that I was stronger and more powerful than men and I kind of used it in a personal side of my life. And then a few years back, uh, about three years ago, I started to do it online mainly and to interact with subs and slaves that way. But then I thought, you know what? Now it's the time for me to be myself and to be accepted as who I am. And I am mistress, I'm a goddess. And therefore, about three years ago is when I really took it to a next level. And instead of doing it just online, I started to also meet my subs and my slave and have what we call real-time session. It means having a one-to-one session with your mistress and your goddess.
2: So now you do the whole, uh, and, you know, uh, like I say, as a broadcaster, i got to ask the questions because it's kind of cool, but... Uh, do you uh, do the whole do you, do you do the whole Fifty Shades of Grey thing, or are you a little, uh, or is that a little off base?
5: How do you mean? Be a bit more explicit. Don't be shy with a mistress. Ask your question. Uh,
2: our, our fans, I know, are uh, familiar with the the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, now, is do you uh, is that the kind of uh, uh, plungement that you deliver use- out? <laughs>
5: yes, of course. Oh, yes. Uh, I tend to see my slaves and myself in a dungeon. So a bit like 50 shades of gray. The room uh, has everything you need from whips to bondage to restraints to uh, all sorts of things and instruments that I can use either to inflict pleasure or to inflict pain, which is what I call pleasurable pain. You know, there is everything for me to use, and yes, it is very much like Fifty Shades of Grey.
2: So now you don't um, uh, you don't uh, um, deal out like hurtful punishment, do you? Like um, uh, you know, tie a guy up or whatever, and uh, you know, whip him till it hurts.
5: Yes, yes, I do a lot of tying up. But uh, what's really important is when when I do meet a slave or a sub, uh, a sub is a submissive, so it's an individual who likes to be very submissive in its personality, and um, I like them to be on my seat. So usually it starts with them being on their knees, naked, with a kiss kissing my feet, and worshiping me for who I am. and then, Depending on my mood, really, if I'm in a good mood, I might be a bit gentler. If I am not, and if I fancy inflicting more pain, then I'll very likely tie them up, possibly on the cross or maybe on a bench and tie their feet, tie their hands, tie them up, really, all together so they can't actually move and they are literally dependent on me and on my mercy uh we have the
2: we have the goddess here we got about uh well we got about uh twenty five minutes here with the goddess here because uh her time is very precious and we know this uh, so uh with that uh with that being said now uh do they uh do uh, uh guys uh like you have like a uh uh like a website that they go to to book a session uh do you have uh yeah guys uh so if a guy wanted a session, uh how far in advance do they have to book for you and uh you know how uh, how far out do you book?
5: So usually to book me it's best to do that in advance simply because I get full up quite quickly. Um as you said my time is precious and I hate time wasters. So what's really important is to always reach out to me. Um, they can do that on my website on www.mistresspanfetal.com, or they can find me by googling me, and they can find me on Twitter. On Twitter, I am um, also called Mistress Panfetal, but if you use at @cat3322cgs, you'll find me that way as well. So there is a different way for them to reach out to me. But to book a real-time session, so it's a one-to-one session, it's best to do that at least 24 hours in advance, simply because, just like everybody else, I'm a busy person, and I need things to be scheduled out. So always reach out, either by phone as well. Oh, yes. Do you know how many of them actually reach out by WhatsApp? Loads of them. So anyone out there if you're listening and you are a slave or you are a slave and you're thinking oh my god I would love to speak to Mistress Van Patel or oh, I want to serve well you can do that by WhatsApp So as you've been told I'm not in America I'm in England but you can still reach out and if you call 0044 7488 391 481 you can reach out to me that way as well and you can book that way
2: so uh what does a what is, how long does a typical session last and uh what does a typical session cost
5: so usually i'll say that the typical time that is booked or the most time it's booked is one hour um some can be very adventurous, and they book two or three hours. The longest I've done has been eight hours, and that actually was with an American slave. He was traveling through England and wanted the whole day with me, and I can't blame him. So, so yes, it would be around that time, one hour, and one hour, the cost is called a tribute. So it's not called a fee, it's called tributes because it's more like a gift, really, and it's usually $153 per hour. That does not include the playroom, because the playroom, the dungeon, has to be built. So there's a fee for that. Uh,
2: The goddess tells our guest here. Uh, Granny, I'll understand if you don't have any questions, but can you imagine what uh, uh, the goddess here can do to some of the heels that you don't like?
3: Oh, that would be uh, that would be amazing. I could give her a list of names that she could go after and take care of for me. I don't like the heels on the wrestling shows that I go to. I could talk some pretty good smack to them. Or maybe she could give me some pointers, and I could take care of them myself. Oh, <laughs> well, 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 you let's, definitely let's, can if you have
2: heels. Let, let's do, let's aim for uh, in between their legs. Well, guys let's go ahead and do this. Uh, if uh, when Granny's ringside and there's a uh, there's a bad boy messing with her, how what would you tell? What advice would you give her?
5: Well, my advice to any women is to always put yourself in a confident position. Always be taller and stronger. It doesn't matter if the person in front of you is much taller than you. Your appearance how you speak and how you stand will make it. They will understand who's the boss. <clears throat> you are the boss. We are the boss. I am the boss. And it doesn't matter how big they are, how small they are. It doesn't matter if they are CEOs. And if they still don't understand that, make use of your heels. Kick them in the nuts. Most of them <laughs> like it, actually. They like the pressure out of it. Well, oh, I, don't to me it out. Out. I don't
3: want to get kicked out of the wrestling show, but... Um, <laughs> I, I've chopped a few. I've chopped a few heels in my in my day. I've been handcuffed to a manager one time at a wrestling show because he tried to interfere in the match. So they handcuffed me to him to keep him from interfering. So, and then he got a hold of the key and unlocked his part of the handcuff and ran off because being the scaredy cat that he is, you know. But most <laughs> men uh, are scaredy cats.
5: Well, let uh, let
3: me just share a little story with you. One of my wrestling buddies who was a heel one night, he says, Granny, don't you have a curfew at the nursing home? This was like four years ago. I'm 58, (gasps) so I was probably 54, and I grabbed my keys out of my purse, and I doubled up my fist and threw my fist in his face with my keys in my fist, and I said, Baby, I don't need no curfew. I got keys to the building,
5: and he ran off screaming. Oh, that's That's exactly how a lady should react. Not only you stand for yourself, but you make them understand who is the boss. And you are we don't take no orders fine.
3: I was at a wrestling show the thirty first of January. We had this guy from Texas and he came out wearing a football jersey, you know, and he was supporting the Texas Longhorns and we showed him how to call the Arkansas Razorbacks, how to call the Hogs and and um He says lady Sit down and shut up And go back to the home And I said Mox If you think you're man enough Why don't you step out of that ring Come down here and say that to my face Well everybody started chanting Granny, granny And he's like putting his hands over his ears Screaming Don't say (laughs) her name Don't encourage her And the more he said that The louder the people got
5: Because they all love you. Exactly. And they support you. That's the thing. Is that some men actually think that they can stand up against you? Because they think they have the balls. Well, let me tell you something. Once they face a stronger woman, they have no balls in between their legs. That's for sure. Always stand up for you.
3: (laughs) I love that. I've got to remember that line. I've got to remember that line when I when I see those heels the next time. I say, mean, "You ain't got the balls to stand up to me." <laughs> exactly. definitely, absolutely. Oh, that'll be awesome. That will be so cool. I can't hardly wait. <laughs> you know, and
2: uh, Granny, we can't give the name, but can you imagine what she would do with S.J.F. Oh.
3: <laughs> Oh that would be that would be um that would be wonderful. Uh, Should I go so have, you uh, me to him. Uh, we we have the
2: we have the goddess of here uh with us and uh we have uh we have about 17 minutes. Now um you know we we mentioned that you know your time is precious and your time is valuable and all that. Uh but let me ask you this. Um uh you you said you're in the u k right
5: yes, I'm in England so you're in england so uh if uh
2: if someone uh one of our fans is listening is traveling into uh England and they wanted to well you know basically uh have you junk punch him in the man business uh you know how could they go about doing that?
5: Well, like I said, uh, yeah, I think the best option for them would be to reach out to me either on my website or directly by text or WhatsApp. I don't take calls straight away. Like I said, my time is precious and I have too many time wasters as well who think that they can dominate me on the phone. No, they can't. You want my time? Book your time. And then if I feel that you're worthy enough, then I'll give you a session. But always, they can reach out on WhatsApp, text messenger, Twitter. I mean, there's, a, there's quite a few to find me.
2: So uh, I guess the, the question is, and actually this is coming from uh, one of our listeners uh, that's uh, sending me uh, messages. And uh, I, I'm going to ask this just because, you know, uh, I, 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 I like to talk to our fans. But uh, one of our fans
5: asked, what would you do to the icon in an hour? <laughs> oh, I could do plenty of things. It would be a, an array of kings and fetish because I like so many kings, so many fetish. I mean, like I said, you would start with kissing my feet and worshiping them because they are beautiful and they are delicious. Then, depending, I might actually move on to use a few of my restraints and tie you up to make sure that you're not going to escape and try to run away. And then I would definitely use a flogger because I like the flogger. Or maybe I spank you over the knees and, you know, gives you a little bit of spanking. And trust me, spanking is not always for punishment. Just like a flogger, it's not always used to inflict pain. It actually is and can be very arousing and very sexual and sensual. So, like I say, it's all about making it painful but pleasurable, giving the sub or the slave the experience to explore the different kings and fetish. I mean, we can go into immigration and degradation, or we can use a strap-on. depends on your taste.
2: Ver- and uh, very interesting i might ha- i might have to uh i might have to get over there and uh try and experience that but i uh i don't know if uh i don't know if you uh you know John has a high pain threshold i don't know if you'd be able to break him on that but let let me ask you this let's say that uh you have someone that books a session with you and uh you know you're the one that controls the session you're the one that gives all the orders what yes. what do you do for someone that uh does
5: not obey what happens then Well, let's put it that way. It is in their best interest to obey. I do not take disobedience very lightly. And they will experience my side of disobedience. That is very simple. I will punish them. So maybe they'll get a hundred kicking nuts, or maybe I'll use the paddle on their little bottom and spank them. But either way, they will understand that I do not tolerate disobedience. I like my slaves to be like little puppies on their knees, listening to what I say and doing as I say.
2: You know, Grant. I'll tell you what. I think it'd be really interesting if you and her were both at ringside, and uh, uh, S.J.F. were uh, would come over and say something (laughs) to you guys. I think that's.
3: Oh my! Oh, that would be that would be so much fun. (laughs) Oh,
2: I could I I would love that. Uh
3: oh, I don't I've
2: know uh, Big... Yeah, I don't know if Big Swing is uh listening if he wants to chime in here. I know he doesn't have much of a voice left, but uh uh Big Swing, are you there? You wanna you have any questions? Let's see if he's listening. Uh yeah, he's not. He must be okay. Busy. I he's busy. So uh, so it sounds like you could uh you you could really um deal out some punishment, but I guess the the next question is, so do you have like um do you have like a, like a office or a, uh, a building that you do this in? Do you have like a, a dungeon in your basement, like a, like a playroom, whatever? Uh, do, what, what kind of, yes. uh, what kind of um, place do you have? Do you have your own place or do you have it in your basement? Do you, you have like a wine cell that you strap guys
5: up in. Tell us about that. <laughs> well i i use a playroom and uh, the playroom is located in portsmouth so that's the south of england and it's 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 fabulous because it's in a let's say it's in an area where people will not even think that there is a playroom and that's all about keeping everything private for my slaves and my subs so they come in as mr and mrs everybody and actually, they're coming to submit to be mine. So in the playroom, you know, there is everything. And usually when they come in, they're like, oh, now she means business. And, yes, I do mean business. But ideally, I would love to have my own. And I would love to have my own playroom, my own dungeon. But that is a plan that I have. So it's something that hopefully in the future I'll be doing. Otherwise, I tell you what. The um some of them are a bit more adventurous, and they actually like to do that outdoors. you know, like a secluded car park or a secluded wooded area and the the excitement of maybe getting caught actually gets going just as much as if they were tied up in a playroom.
2: see now, I guess my next question is uh and I'm going to quote Kurt, Kurt Russell from the movie Tango and Catch. He had a quote, uh, and I'm going to ask you if uh, this is uh, true for you. Uh, his quote was, lucky this room is uh, soundproof, so they can't hear me beating the truth out
5: of you. Uh, <laughs> your room soundproof? Uh, it, well, it is not soundproof, but it's in a basement, and it has to be. You know, it, I mean, if you have your own playroom or if you have... Uh, a place like this it is definitely best that uh either the playroom is in a secluded area or in a basement or definitely soundproof because like i said if it is obey or if they enjoy punishment and they ask for it they will get it and i have absolutely no problem whatsoever in inflicting pain i was on tv actually only uh, last month uh, for Channel 5 here in the UK, 5 Star, there is, uh, they've done a documentary about myself and my slaves. And it was very much for me to highlight to everyone this lifestyle and all about the slaves and why they come in. And there was a, a part of it which was in the playroom. And, you know, it, it really opened up uh, a few eyes uh, of people that I know. And actually, uh, a few more came out and said, you know, I'm a sub myself or I'm a slave. And, uh, you know, having a place to do that, it's best to do it uh, in a place where there is definitely soundproof. I mean, if you don't really want to do it in your own house and have the neighbor banging at your dog, try to be quiet. <laughs> so, yes, play best.
2: So now, and I'll understand, you know, I'll understand that if you, uh, you know, if you don't want to uh, answer this, I guess I'll, I'll understand that too. But uh, now, um, you know, you mentioned you're on TV. Uh, you know, this is, seems like something that uh, you'd want to keep private from your relatives. But uh, do you, and I'll understand, like I say, if you don't want to answer this, but do uh, do any of your relatives, uh, you know, if you have like brothers, sisters, know that you do this? Or is it something that you kind of keep privately?
5: I don't keep it private. Uh, I'm very open about it. Uh, Like I explained, uh, you know, three years ago, an event happened in my life, something tragic. Um, And it it really opened up my eyes. And for me, it was the time to come out and tell everyone. So on my social media, uh, whether it is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everybody, my family knows. Uh, So for me, it's important that people know I'm a dominatrix. I'm a mistress, and the reason why the producer of the TV channel really wanted me on the program is because of that, because I'm open to it, and I've told everyone about it. Um, I don't want it to be a stigma, and neither do I want people to, um, you know, wonder. I think uh, if they have a question, they can ask, and I'll happily answer. So the only the honest answer is there is only two persons in my life don't know about it, and uh, that's my mom, only because she's Italian from the staff of Italy and she's very Catholic. Uh, so I'm not quite sure she'll quite approve of this activity. But, uh, and the other person is my brother, only because he thinks that I'm always 12 and I've not grown up yet. But otherwise, my sister knows, my aunties, even my grandma in Italy used to know. So, yeah, I'm open about it. Everybody knows, mostly. Now, is 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 your brother older or younger? Brother is two years older. But he's always been very, very protective over me. Uh, we were like two fingers of a hand. And obviously, I've not told him, but... Maybe you know if he ever came up to a conversation about kinky stuff, I would I would say it quite happily, but I've not gone to him and say it because I know he's still very much protective of me and he still thinks I'm a child. So yes, that's simply uh, the moment I leave him. As well, is.
2: The, well, the reason why I, the reason why I was asking is you know uh, you know there's always you know there's always uh, I, I don't know if it's your case, but I know it was like with mine. But you know there's always the thing about you know older brothers picking on younger sisters or older sisters, you know, picking on younger brothers, whatever. Uh, You know, I don't know if your your brother ever did that to you when he was older and you were younger, but, uh, you know, imagine what you could do is if you could, uh, you know, reverse the role and say, uh, hey, remember when you used to pick on me when I was younger? Now it's your turn. Yeah.
5: Well, my brother didn't really pick on me. It was, you know, it was very much uh, uh, my brother. In you know, in, in its full extent, he, he was very, very protective, and we used to do everything together. My sister was a different story, though. She was the one who was always picking on me and doing all sorts of things from a very young age. Um, but you know, what's really important to understand is that I am a mistress and I am a goddess, and yes, I love inflicting pain. I take great pleasure in doing this, and I, I love to have my subs and my slaves on their knees, naked to listen to what I do. But on the other hand, I am um, you know, I am myself in my family surroundings, or with friends. Uh, I, I don't I try. <laughs> I can't say that I don't. I say I try not to uh, let my mistress' dominant side come out too much because otherwise I could try and dominate everybody. I mean, no exception made, male and female. I'll happily have everyone on my feet.
2: Which is awesome. Uh, we have uh, the goddess Femme Bataille here. We've got about uh, four minutes here left. Uh, once again, we'll go ahead and do this. If our fans wanted to uh, – Check you out again. You got a Facebook, you got Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a GoFundMe. What do you got?
5: So I have my website, which is com. or they can go on Google and uh, search me. They can put Mistress Fan Fatale, or they can actually put the easiest one would be mistress in Portsmouth. The best is to reach out to me directly by text or WhatsApp, and my number is 0044, that's the country code, and then 7488391. 481 so those are the best way to find me and reach out to even book a session or book also because at the moment we've locked down here in the uk i do phone sessions and cam sessions so they can always see me even from a file on the other side of the pond
2: so uh you know real quick and we can kind of touch on this real quick uh, We we got a few minutes here left uh how has how has covid affected uh, what your lifestyle is like
5: it's uh, It's been very challenging. It's been very, very challenging because, obviously, I mean, I have 300-plus slaves. Uh, they are all scattered in the U.K. or uh, online. And, obviously, they all love to see me, to be with me, to be close to me. So they tend to book real-time sessions, i.e., one-to-one-face uh, session, And with covid uh, we have been on lockdown for almost a year now. So it's been really, really difficult. Everything is closed. We're not allowed to go out. We can't interact to get anywhere near anyone. So what well, I've done is reverse everything the online. So at present, my slaves, they can interact with me either by booking a phone session, a cam session. I do it on Skype. I do it on WhatsApp video. Uh, there are many ways to do it. And I do also online sessions because some slaves they don't like to show their face or talk; they're too shy. But they feel a lot more comfortable to submit by doing it by text. And that's why I say, reach out on WhatsApp or reach out by text. I, I'll always answer.
2: So you know, with that, with that being said, then uh, when uh, you know, hopefully, uh, 2021. Uh, you know, because we all know that 2020 sucked because of COVID. And, Hopefully 2021, they'll, you know, things will get back to normal and get back in order. But uh, do you plan on, um, you know, like those that you've been talking to on the phone and on Skype, uh, um, when uh, things open up again, uh, do any of them plan on actually coming to see you live or just keep it on the web there?
5: Yes, I have already got a waiting list of many, many slaves who are absolutely dying to miss me, even more so that they've seen me on TV. Now they know who I am. They know I am real. Yes, I am. (laughs) And now they're like, oh, my God, mistress, I want to submit. I want to be able to be at your feet and do and experience what the other slave did on TV. And like I said to them, we have to be patient for now. So let's build up a relationship now online or by text. And then as soon as they reopen, and I've been it as soon as they will be in the playroom with me or outdoor. And uh, let's get stuck on, you know. That's
2: awesome. And uh, I'm sure that, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't really uh, uh, mention, ask this. And, uh, you know, we got a few more minutes, so I said, do you have uh do you have a lot of different outfits you wear when uh you're doing your uh sessions or do you have just like one uh uh what kind of uh, outfits do you have? And I'm sure they're all leather, I would say.
5: Yeah, I have many, many outfits. Uh mostly they are all either P V C shiny uh leather or rubber. Because um, obviously being a dominatrix, it's all about your appearance, being strong and powerful. And I am strong and powerful. And by that, I like to wear either dresses or um, my red, shiny PVC uh, red leggings or leather. I mean, for the the slaves and the subs to see their mistress in a strong outfit, uh, display dominance. For them is a big, big turn-on. So to see me strong and powerful, because they know I'm strong. I used to be, you know, I'm a bodybuilder. So they know if I can wear a dress and display that, they are definitely falling to any.
2: And uh, the other thing I was going to ask if
5: uh, someone listening,
2: uh, you know, because we do have uh, we do have followers all around the world. But uh, like, if someone's listening to like want to book a session, they're like well hey i'll, I'll probably get to see your uh nude that is not going to happen correct
5: they uh the, what was your question uh
2: well, if someone's like listening and they want to book a session and they they like well hey, I'll probably get to see her uh
5: nude that that's not going to happen correct. <laughs> they are not going to see me nude. That is simply not an option. But they will definitely be naked on my feet. But yes, a lot of them have asked for sexual um, requests, and I don't offer sexual requests. You know, however, however, milking is is definitely a kink. I mean, there are subs and slaves out there. They will know the term milking. That is something that I do offer. But otherwise, no. They cannot see me naked. It's all about teasing. They may see a little bit of my uh, peachy bum, but no, they can't access it. That's a no.
2: See, there you go. So, uh, I hate to dash anybody's dreams out there They're thinking, "Hey, I should book this." Just to see that that ain't going to happen. Which is, which yeah. is, um, you know. Hey, hate to hate to damage the the guy's uh, thought process out there, but you know I, I figured <laughs> I had to ask just so they don't get the wrong thing if they book a session with you, you know.
5: Exactly, absolutely. I mean, you know what? I will put them right back in their place if they approach me and they start asking for input services. So. No. If they need that, they need to find themselves in this court. If they want me, they will do as I say. And trust me, they will have a lot of pleasure and they will experience it. But on my terms.
2: And they will
5: obey what you say. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: I mean, I, I, I just can't, I just can't uh, if, you know, if I'd ever, you know, because we are friends, I, I you know. Uh, we are friends, and you know, if I ever come and visit, uh, you know, I wouldn't want you to like tie me up and whatever. But we could talk about that later. But I think that'd be awesome. But anyway, uh, well, I'll tell you what, we have about uh, we have about uh, sixty seconds here uh, with you. Um, we do appreciate uh, you coming on the show, and uh, you know, you've uh, uh, I know that you made a lot of our guy listeners uh, a little more wiser. If they decide to mistreat a lady, what might happen to them? If you find out, you will find them. So (laughs) anyway, uh, we do appreciate you taking time on your right, and we do appreciate you taking time on your schedule. You're awesome, and uh, I hope that uh, you enjoyed that card I made for you, and uh, that maybe you'll put it up on your website and uh, all that because I I did appreciate you making that for you.
5: Uh, Well, I really appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it.
2: You're awesome. We thank you, and uh, I'll be in contact with you uh, after the show, and I'll uh, ask you a few other things privately that I can't ask here, but I do appreciate it. You're awesome, and we thank you so much.
5: Well, most welcome, and thank you again to everyone, and thank you to your listeners.
2: Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Have a good night. You or too. In your bye case, bye. In early
5: morning. <laughs> Thank <Best laughs> you. Yes. Bye.
2: Bye bye. Well, Bye-bye. That, was, uh, that was interesting. Uh, you know, Granny, like I say, I'd really like to see what you could do with Sylvester J. Uh, well, no, I shouldn't.
3: Do that. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm going to have to remember that line, though. If you've got the balls to say that to me. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. That'll that'll really shock all the wrestling wrestlers if I say something like that to them because they won't expect me to say something like that to them.
2: Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, actually, I, I'd love to be there when you say that. That'd be that'd be really awesome. Uh, but yeah, we uh, we had another good show, and uh, next week uh, uh, will be no difference. Uh, we're gonna have another three guest show. So uh, we have a couple of famous actors next week. And we have a few uh, independents. So, uh, yeah, so everybody keep listening and uh, um, it'll be great. Uh, Granny, what do you got going And You got anything going on special this week?
3: Well, I'm supposed to leave for Little Rock on Thursday, but um, the whole state of Arkansas is under a state of emergency and they've, right now, they've got about. They're looking at maybe another six to eight inches of snow, maybe up to 10 inches of snow in Little Rock Tuesday or Wednesday. So I don't know if they're, I I really hope that they would postpone our conference just because um, that's what some people are saying that they hope they do because I, I'm three hours from Little Rock. Now if the roads are halfway clear, you know, by Thursday, then, you know, maybe I can make it, you know, if I just take my time, but I don't know, you know, it's just, um, I probably got about maybe five or six inches in my yard right now. I haven't went out and actually measured it, but um, they're talking probably maybe three to six more for up here in Northwest Arkansas between tomorrow night and Wednesday morning. So I've been kind of keeping an eye on the weather. So, I don't know. We'll wait and see what happens. But that's what I'm supposed to be doing this weekend is going to Little Rock for the state convention, but we'll see what happens.
2: Well, you know, and, you know, we want you to, you know, we want you to be safe out there and, uh, you know, um, you know, and, we, you know, we want you to come back uh, and join us next week. Uh, we got a few more minutes here. We got about seven minutes of uh, airtime left, um, you know, um so, uh, you know, uh, I did get one uh, – I got another it, it, from the same guy, and I know we talked about this uh, uh, last uh, last week, but once again, I guess you need to clear the air about, uh, you know, someone had asked me uh, how, how I can have a guest on like that and uh, uh, disrespect Granny Hawks by having guests on like that. So, Granny, once again, this will be the last time we have to touch on it. Me out with this,
3: okay. You know, people, whether you're male female, asking these questions. Okay, I am just a co host of the show, I do not book the guests. If Icon, you know, if they are contacting Icon to be on our show because they have followers on their podcast or they have followers on their website and they want to bring their followers to listen to our show, I don't have a problem with that. No, I may not always have a question for somebody like that or like the lady we had on the net. I may not have a question for her. But I'm only a co-host, people. I only help, especially when Big Swing can't be on with us, you know, when, with him doing double duty, triple duty, whatever. I'm only a backup person. You know, this is not my show. This is not the Granny Holster show, okay? This is Attitude Era Live. And if we have guests on like that, hey, you know, this is not, I mean, yes, originally it started off a wrestling show. I get that. But this is 2021, people. We are in the 21st century. Times are changing. So, you know, if you can't deal with it and if you think I'm being, in you know, that it's insulting to me, please don't feel that way because I'm not insulted in any way, shape, or form. Icon, The Big Swing are my friends. They're my work partners that I help do this show with. I mean, yes, I started off just as a caller. I called in one week because a very good friend of mine happened to be a guest on the show. One of my wrestling buddies, his wife, called in, and I so I called in to listen, listen to the interview. They called me two or three days later and said, hey, we want you to be a part of our show. So that's why I stepped up and started doing what I do. It's okay, people. I'm not offended, okay? So please if you're trashing my friends because you think I'm being offended by, if we have an adult star or whatever, whatever kind of guests we have, I'm not offended at any way, shape or form. It's okay. You know, I'm okay with that. So that being said, hopefully this will clear up any confusion that anybody has out there. Granny is not offended. Trust me, I have been through more than probably you all can ever imagine. I have dealt with so many things in my lifestyle. I'm 58 years old. You know, I've dealt with a lot in my, I mean, I was a single mom for 23 and a half years. I was in an abusive relationship with my first marriage. My husband cheated on me two and a half i mean beat me up when I was two and a half months pregnant with my son. He cheated on me the whole time I was married to him you know i've done I've dealt with it I've been through it all, so having an adult star on our program it does not offend me, so please do so, not Granny, do not, bad, do, not uh, do not do not do not trash our show because you think I'm being offended.
2: Well, you know, with that being said, can you imagine what Sam Littall would do with your ex?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, my ex um, passed about
0: three years ago
3: because he had stage four bone cancer. So, so, but anyway, so that that being said, life goes on, and I know we are out of time, so. <laughs> So
2: uh, be uh, checking out our off-the-road page on Facebook for who's going to be on next week. Uh, we got a three-guest show. We have a couple movie stars on next week. So it's really going awesome to be awesome. You
3: don't double dare miss it. Uh, was that Big Swing? Was he back? I think so. I heard music in the background. We'll
1: see you guys next week. I'm